Welcome to another episode of True Wisdom. We're past 170 episodes now. If you're interested in going back and seeing how this all started, go ahead and look us up on uh, truewisdom.busprot.com. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Robert, and welcome, guests. Well, thank you for joining me this week for another episode of True Wisdom. And I got a question for you. Why is Jesus sometimes referred to as the Son of Man? Hmm. Um, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. If you look at the book of, of Ezekiel, you'll find that God always refers to his messengers as the Son of Man. He refers to Ezekiel often that way. But Christ is the Son of God and the Son of Man. That is the mystery of the Incarnation. He's completely human, completely divine. And he represents um, he represents God in some in some ways, and he represents us in other ways. And so he's the son of man, showing that he's going through the same path that we need to go through. Uh, and you know, we should probably reference when we post this one. We should reference all of the the podcasts that we've done on the Godhead because it would help to explain the significance of of his dual roles there. All right. Excellent. Yeah, we should uh, take some time. It won't be this one, but we really should visit that. Uh, what is our theme for true wisdom? Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pray to get us started, and then we can jump right into the lesson. Ah, dear Lord, we thank you once again for allowing us the opportunity to have this podcast where we're just talking about you, trying to learn more about you, and trying to share uh, you with the world as you did with your Bible. Help us as we study this lesson of today, this, and help us have a wonderful discussion. Amen. 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 Okay. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 9. And I think a good title for this is Under the Direction of God. Under the Direction of God. Mm -hmm. Under the Direction. And one of the lessons that we want to learn, sometimes I like to say the lessons in advance so that you're kind of scanning for it as we go. One of the things that we want to learn is that if you look throughout the Bible, Exodus, um, we see it in a lot of places, but through the writings of Moses in particular, you'll notice that God, for as many rules as God lays out for the children of Israel at various times, he does not always give them every variation of the rule until something comes up. Like God doesn't give a lot of rules unnecessarily. And so there's certain things that it's not until a situation arises and someone says, "Uh oh, what happens now? That the Lord will give the other rule. And you can come to the conclusion that he didn't think about it before that. But sometimes the significance of the problem is only appreciated by the people after the problem has been manifest. Okay? So this is, God is very timely in that way. He doesn't just do things whenever. He sometimes. Um, puts the the timing 
of the solution as near to the problem as possible so it is better appreciated. Interesting. Numbers chapter 9. All right, we're starting at verse 1. Yep. All right. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the fourteenth day of this month, at even, ye shall keep it in its appointed season. According to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof, shall ye keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month at even in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. Okay, pause a second. Now, I think we need to understand what's transpired here, right? This is the first month of the second year. So right on what we would consider January 1 of the second year, right? It wasn't, obviously wasn't January because the calendar matches up differently um, for the for the Hebrew calendar. It would have been in what is on March, April timeframe. But right at the beginning of that second year, he outlines to them, hey, you guys need to celebrate this thing that... Um, this thing that, that transpired uh, last year, okay? Now, what happened throughout the first year? Well, they got out of Israel. They got out of Egypt, rather. Um, they were given the law. They were given the priesthood. They were given a lot of statutes and judgments for how they were going to operate. There's a whole set of things that the Lord gave them. Right? Okay. There's a whole set of things that the Lord was getting them situated with. Because we tend to, you know, we don't understand logistics sometimes, or we don't appreciate it. They came out of Egypt. They had been in bondage for uh, several generations. Right. And they and they had to get acclimated. God was setting them up by tribes and setting how their, their camp was going to be and giving them all these instructions for operation. They haven't come to the, um, they haven't run into the problem with, um, with Canaan yet, right? They haven't run into the uh, the issue with going into the land of Canaan. That's going to come in a, in a few chapters in the Book of Numbers. So, chapters 13, 14, etc. is where is where we see that stuff. But okay. uh, right now, God is getting them situated and acclimated to the way He needs them to operate, and so that took a while. All right. So He's giving them this set of instructions right now. Yes, well now, right, it's, it's, it's about time for the Passover. You notice when he brings that back up right at the beginning of the month? He's like, hey, guys, in a couple of weeks, we need to do this Passover thing again. Okay. So, verse 6, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, we are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back, that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or any of your prosperity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off, ye shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. And the fourteenth day of the second month at even, they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And they shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any bone of it, according to the ordinances of the Passover, that, excuse me, they shall keep it. Okay. So what is it just established here if someone runs into a problem like these brethren have run into in the first month of the four, and the 14th day? They got 30 days, and then they can do it. And they okay. have to do it. Yep. Which also means that if an emergency comes up that next time, somebody in the first group that got Passover already needs to step in and deal. Ah, interesting. Right? If they're somewhere and they accidentally come across a dead body scenario and they have to go and bury it, then the next time it happens, your cousins need to take care of that. <laughs> so you can not be um, you can't miss it. Right, you can't miss it. No, no. Okay. Verse 13. But mm -hmm. the man that is clean and that is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season. That man shall bear his sin. Now, you know what's interesting? And before we do 14, which is interesting for a different reason. The Lord's Supper, the Passover, is, was in fact transferred into the Lord's Supper. That's, that's the one change that Christ made in the ceremonial system before his death, which is why that's the only thing that carries over post. Uh, right? Okay. Before the Testament, before he writes his last will and testament, he has a supper with them on the Passover and then says, this do in remembrance of me, so this is going to be the new thing, and therefore... When he dies on the cross, all the other services which always pointed to him go away because they don't need to anymore. His, his new sacrifice is the thing. But this, this sacrifice that he made, this um, uh, ordinance that he made just beforehand, which now points backwards to the sacrifice, whereas everything had pointed forwards to the sacrifice. Now the Lord's Supper, the, the foot washing and the Lord's Supper, that service remains, and everything else goes away. And that service was just a morphing of the Passover. So years ago, we had some folks at our church as past as uh, the ordinance of humility, the communion service was coming up. We had some people who were like, eh, I don't think I'm going to take it. And I was like, uh, I don't know that you want to be that cavalier with it. And I referenced the passages that Paul mentioned in First uh, Corinthians, but I also mentioned this one, and I said, this service was important enough to God. He said that if you had the opportunity to take it and did not, you were basically hurting yourself spiritually. Mm. And so I said, listen, I'm not here to force you to do anything, but I want you to understand how God thinks about this sort of stuff. So you, I'm not here to question your reasoning, and I'm not here to judge you on your reasoning. I want you to judge you on your reasoning based on what you know God feels about this. Right? I'm not going to tell you whether or not you're supposed to do it. I'm just going to say I would be careful about not doing it if, in fact, 
my reasoning wasn't as good as these. Right. Here. Right. And so again, principles of scripture that apply, especially, and it is, it applies especially in that sense situation because again, that service is just a morphing of the of this service directly. The Passover directly has this injunction against it or associated with it, and now you have that service transferred in the death of Christ, and the new service, yeah, this this same principle is going to apply to that new service even more so than any generic principle. Okay. All right. All right, so we're at well, verse 14. Mm-hmm. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you and will keep the Passover unto the Lord, according to the ordinance of the Passover and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. Now that's interesting. If somebody comes over to visit you, now the, the, what's, what's pretty cool is it says, if a stranger sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover. It doesn't make it mandatory for the stranger mm-hmm. to keep it. Mm-hmm. It means that it's permissible for the stranger to keep it. Now, there's certain things that were mandatory. If a person's in your house on the Sabbath, he needs to behave just like you do. Right. You can't violate the Sabbath right. in your house. Okay? But here, he doesn't have to keep the Passover. But if he's going to do it, he's going to keep it in exactly the same way that you do. Right? Because, as the Lord said, one ordinance. There's not a Gentile version of the Passover and a, and a Hebrew version of the Passover. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just one Passover. And that, it's interesting how God deals with inclusion. The Gentiles were allowed to participate in certain things if they sojourn among you. If they are in agreement with you and live among you, they get to enjoy many of the principles of being with you. That's because at the end of the day, God is trying to save everyone, and the, the Jews were to be a vehicle for the salvation of the whole world. Right. So it makes sense that God would have put weird restrictions on it. There were some things that there were restrictions on, but those res- restrictions were not there because God didn't like Gentiles. It was there to protect the Jews. Certain things about how quickly a, a person or a group of people could integrate into the society, into Jewish society. It was there so that when they assimilated, and it wasn't assimilation, that's not human's word, when they assimilated, they did so leaving their baggage behind, not dragging their baggage in. Right, which is unfortunately the opposite of what happened. Well, of course. And that's because we, you know, lay hands on people too suddenly, as the judgment would, would reference. Mm. Um, so here it is that the stranger was allowed to be in these things, and God made provision for them. And, and that was from the very first Passover, because the Egyptians, if they did exactly what the Israelites did, they did not lose their firstborn. Right. And we know, and we know some people. Right. We know that some, and yes, yes, yes. It's multitudes, right? We yeah. know that some of them did. Now we come to one of my favorite passages in the book of Numbers. Verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even there was upon the tabernacles, as it were, the approach of fire until the morning. There, there. What did I say? The approach? <laughs> the, 
the appearance of fire until the morning. Okay, just a quick pause. In uh, Numbers chapter 7 is where the dedication of the tabernacle occurred. And that's a long chapter, like 77 verses or something. Um, that In that chapter, the dedication of the tabernacle. So all of a sudden, we go to referencing back that, that chapter. Okay? On the day the tabernacle was reared, two chapters ago, then was this going on. So that's, that's where the rest of this passage is going. Ah, uh, okay. So it was always, always, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the crowd abode, the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was, when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents, and according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so it was, when the cloud abode from even until the morning, that the cloud was taken up in the morning, that they journeyed. Whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord, they rested in the tents. And at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. <laughs> You notice Moses doesn't get mentioned until the very end of that whole section. Uh-huh. But it was Emphasis. very, yeah, it was very repetitive. He basically said the same thing. Let me see, four times. Sort of. He 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 made variations. So if you go through it, basically he says the overview right in verse eighteen. He says, um, "At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and the, at the commandment of the Lord they pitched." As long as the cloud abode over the tabernacle, they rested. Okay? That's that's the general theme. They went when God said to go, and he signified that he wanted them to go because he moved the cloud up over the... Like, like the cloud, instead of hovering right over the sanctuary, it moved up. And they knew that that meant get up. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so he says, when that happened, that's when. When the cloud was down, they stayed. That's a God's command. But then just in case you weren't sure all of the nuance of what that meant. He said, many days in verse 19, then they didn't go anywhere. And if it were a few days in verse 20, then they stayed only a few days. Mm-hmm. And if it was the evening in verse 21, or by night or by day when it went up, that's when they went. And 22, if it was two days, a month, a year, like you might not know what many days and few days is. If it was two days, it was a month, it was a year that it sat there, they sat there. Hmm. 
They moved only at the commandment of the Lord, and they stayed only at the commandment of the Lord, and that commandment was given through Moses. Ah. Okay. Right? So you come away with an understanding, and I will use the word even though we now say that term very negatively, God micromanaged Israel's movement. Uh-huh. They didn't just get to decide when they were going somewhere or not going somewhere. God decided. He moved that cloud up. And this is why in the latest in the later story, remember when Miriam and Aaron get into that whole thing and God calls them over to the sanctuary? Remember when the people are about to stone Moses and Aaron because of the um, the uh, I was going to say Baal Peor, but that's not where that's not what happened the first time when they were Kadesh Barnea. Remember when they were supposed to go into Canaan, they didn't, and that whole altercation takes place, and they're they're weeping because of um, not being able to go, and they want to stone the Moses and Aaron, and God manifests Himself on the tabernacle, and everybody lo- notices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. notice not only because of the placement of the sanctuary which was in the center of the camp, right? It's not only the the placement of the sanctuary, but the fact that they had to pay attention to that all the time to know when they had to get ready to go. And so they were, like, so that's that's context that we never really discuss. We rarely talk about this chapter. But if you understand this chapter, then you recognize why their eyes were so quickly and easily drawn to the sanctuary, because it was significant for them, not only in day-to-day worship, but also to know whether they were going or staying. Mm-hmm. They were right? trained to and pay attention. They were trained to pay attention. Any movement happening around the sanctuary and people are looking over there. Got it. So you see how knowing these other details helps you understand things about life, day-to-day life in Israel. It helps make more sense of other things you know that you just accepted because you were told them long enough and you didn't really have any reason to reject them. But now all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, that makes sense why such and such. Mm-hmm. And it, now it stands to reason why such and such. It ties in, yeah. Excellent. And what the title once again? I knew you were going to ask and I didn't <laughs> write it down. I was like, I'm trying to come oh, that's, that's okay. When I go back and edit it, I'll write it down. It. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's going to ask. <laughs> because it was longer than normal, that's why. I know, I know. And I kept thinking, I could have done it, the commandment of Moses. And I was like, what did I say it was? Oh, he's going to ask me. I know he's going to ask me. Under the guidance or the care? Anyway, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get it yeah, back. Under the direction of God is, is, is what it's I was close. thinking. Yeah, but direction? <laughs> All right. So go ahead and pray us out then. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for being very explicit in your instructions and your dealings with us. We thank you for being a just-in-time God where you give us instruction that we need when we need it and solve problems in the times that we have them. And we thank you for being proactive because you already know what your plans are for us and you have things even if you don't kick them into motion until later. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we study your word, that we'll be willing to study all of the parts of Scripture that are not necessarily common to us, but will ultimately help us to better understand your will for our lives and how things should operate. Please forgive us of our sins, Lord. Please bless this ministry and bless everyone that hears it and their families. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, thank you once again for that uh, devotion topic, Numbers 9, uh, 1 to 23. If you are curious, you know, if you're just coming across this podcast, or even if you've been listening to us for a while, I mentioned before, you can just go to truewisdom.buzzsprout.com. We also have truewisdom.info, uh, which has a listing of our previous podcasts. It direct you to specific topics you may want to download and, and listen to. We encourage you to share this information with others. It's, it's not so great if you just keep it to yourself. Share it. If you believe in it, share it. And um, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can always reach us at info at truewisdom.info, or you can reach us on Twitter at truewisdom underscore pod. Uh, and let's say you don't want to just limit yourself to true wisdom. Andrew, what about another podcast they can search out for more information? Rightly divide the word of truth, and that podcast can be found at BibleStudy.asbzone.com. It's another podcast on the Buzzsprout platform, and uh, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. Wherever podcasts are, I was going to say sold, but found, you can. <laughs> uh, that's the way the phrase normally goes. Uh -huh. You can find them there, and um, we cover many of these same topics. Sometimes from a, a different angle, right? Because it's this is a, a two-person interactive, and so sometimes we end up in different. Um, I don't want to say tangents, but a discussion like this can take different turns because you have multiple people who are coming into it with um, their own perspective, their own understanding, and questions and comments, and so we can end up on different twists. Right. Whereas in a podcast where you're kind of monologuing it. It's it's possible to stay more on one track than another, but sometimes, depending on where a topic goes, I end up in places too. So we cover things from the Word of God. The, the purpose of each podcast is the same, and I know um, among my friends and, and colleagues, I know people that favor one style over another style. Some people prefer an interactive um, situation, some people prefer more of a lecture-type situation. So whatever um, is more beneficial to you, we try to provide it in a way that will have you with a better relationship with God at the end of the day. That's the goal. Excellent. All right. We thank you for listening, and we pray you will be blessed. <laughs>